Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion for Monday night. August 17th, 2015, and it is another pretty warm day in Dallas. I hope everybody's having a a good week, a good start to a week, had a good weekend. It is later summer, and I know we're probably going to have a little bit smaller crowd. That's okay. We understand that, but uh, we're always here, as I've told people for six years. This is your call. It's not my call. I'm just the one that puts it together, pushes the buttons. And the thing about this call is it is Dallas debt discussion. We discuss debt issues for the most part. Sometimes we uh, do discuss some other things, but we don't give legal advice for one reason more than anything. We have no idea what it is. And uh, we're we're not authorized to, uh, to give legal advice, even if we knew what it was. So uh, what you hear here is discussion of... Uh, Legal issues, debt issues, we talk about the consumer protection statutes, we talk about the use of the courts, and uh, the reason that this call is here is for educational purposes, that's been its intent since day one, and that is simply to help us come back to a community, we help each other, there is strength in numbers, there is weakness in individuality, and of course the powers that be have tried to... uh, convince us that, oh, um, everybody should uh, be an individual. You know, show your individuality with this or that or whatever. Well, uh, we work better if we work together. So uh, we're here to help people. And when I say we, I mean all of us, but uh, especially myself and the moderators, uh, Terry, Jeff, John, that uh, are with us. And uh, just for those new people that might be on here, just so you know, um, the things that we talk about, a great deal of what we talk about and discuss and uh, might make suggestions on on something someone might do if they find themselves in a situation is based on not only our study, but on actual experience. We are all litigators. We all have litigated multiple times in federal court, some of us more than others. And uh, the the whole thing is we have learned a lot about how the courts work. Uh, it's called reading, studying, learning, experiencing. We have firsthand experience on a lot of things. Not everything. We're not experts. We're not know-it-alls. Uh, far from it. But uh, what happens when we discuss issues, if somebody brings up a situation wondering what they uh, should do in a certain situation, Our discussion is going to be in terms of uh, if we say something, uh, you know, you should do this or or do that. We're speaking in terms of what we would do if we were in similar circumstances, if we were basically in your shoes. Uh, We're not giving advice. We're giving suggestions. We're uh, 
uh, talking about what we would do in a similar situation based on our knowledge base. Nothing more. We do have some attorneys that do uh, join us from time to time. They are consumer attorneys. They are on the side of the consumer and they're, they're good people. We welcome those type of attorneys, uh, the other attorneys that uh, uh, defend the uh, corrupt debt collection industry. Um, well, they're not really welcome, but you know, if they want to be on here and listen to what we're doing, um, that's their prerogative. Uh, we don't know who they are when they might be on here, and uh, it's a public call, so they can listen as well. But the bottom line is it's discussion of issues, nothing else. The way the board works with TalkShoe is very simple. When you come on, you are unmuted to mute yourself, which I ask everybody to do when you're not speaking, which is most of the time. Uh, you would want to hit star six on the keypad in your phone. That will mute you. And when you do that, if you listen to your phone, it's going to say, you are muted. And if you want to be unmuted to say something, all you have to do is hit star six again, and it'll say, you are unmuted. It's a toggling feature. It just goes back and forth. So uh, it's very simple, and I ask that everybody mute yourselves so that we don't hear the extraneous noise and uh, various things that screw up the uh, recordings because we have a lot of people. We have hundreds of people listen to these uh, archive calls. And the whole idea is for education. If they can't understand what's being said, how can they possibly learn? The other thing is, when we get done with good news, which we'll start uh, here in just a second, uh, when we go to Q&A, all you have to do to put yourself in the queue to raise your hand is hit star 8. That's all you'd have to do. Please have yourself muted using star 6 first. That saves me a step on the board. That's very much appreciated, and we always have people that don't do that because for some reason or other they're tone deaf when they hear me say that, I guess. Uh, the bottom line is when we do uh, good news, you do not have to raise your hand. All you have to do is speak up, and good news can be any number of things. Uh, you had a situation with uh, somebody that uh, maybe you uh, were able to arrange a settlement, um, you got a settlement check, uh, you had a good experience in court, uh, you had a good outcome, who knows? But good news comes in a uh, multitude of ways. We hear enough of the bad news all the time. Mainstream media is real good for that. So uh, we need to hear about the successes that people are having, and that's why we do the good news, and that's why we've done it for a long time, for years. So with that said, if anybody has any good news, speak or forever hold your peace. I made a, a nice discovery while doing some research, and it benefits everyone. So um, I'll wait until everybody else does their good news, and then I'll share that, okay? Okay, yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, does anybody else have any good news? And I know, you know, we've got a smaller group of people because it's summertime, and I know we always have people that come on a little bit later. They're they're busy with things in the summertime. And uh, uh, the only good news that I have is uh, I was able to uh, arrange a settlement, uh, and I believe I mentioned that last week, uh, over TCPA issues. I'm not uh, at liberty because of confidentiality to say who it was, how much the amount was, 
but I can tell you I, it was a very satisfactory uh, agreement that I had with uh, the uh, entity that uh, I was negotiating with over some violations, and I received that check today. And uh, that situation is concluded, which is great, and uh, it's time to move on with things. Uh, as far as my situation with Midland, for anybody that uh, has followed that, I have not had any response from Midland as of yet to my inquiry as to whether they want to engage in any uh, settlement discussions. And uh, that's not unusual. It's been the pattern and practice of what they've done since the beginning. They, they refuse to uh, have any discussions about things. So uh, still nothing on that. I'm hopeful that maybe they'll come around to their senses, if you want to call it that, and at least uh, have some serious discussions about things. But uh, <laughs> well, as of the present was... time, that hasn't happened. So. That research I did actually has to do with them. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to ask again if there's anybody that has any uh, good news. Okay, one other thing um, I almost forgot about. Uh, I have had discussions with uh, the uh, attorneys in the uh, class action lawsuit that I have against uh, where I am co-plaintiff with another member. And uh, it would appear that the other side is now, after very long delays, uh, interested in discussing settlement. And they've also scheduled both of us for deposition, which just doesn't make any sense at all. But uh, uh, Not I mean, really. <laughs> no, That's a but, common tactic. But... But depending on how things go with uh, settlement discussions, um, who knows? I'd say there's a possibility that that situation could be concluded uh, prior to uh, the depositions because the uh, depositions are a good ways out. Uh, but uh, also there, the uh, uh, representative from the company is being deposed this week. So... Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see how that pans out, but at least there's some uh, uh, appears to be some movement and uh, potential for settlement discussion. Which, you know, if if we can reach a settlement, uh, obviously that's that's fine. But we'll wait and see what happens. So, uh, one more time, any good news from anybody? Otherwise, we'll let Terry talk about what she found. Go ahead, Terry. Okay, well, I was doing some research. I had uh, three files uh, of uh, case summaries from NCLC, and it was all on the subject of FDCPA that um, these particular files I was looking at <coughs> were involved in. They're rather lengthy case summaries. One has 600 and some pages. The other one's 487 and one's oh 387. God. Yeah, I mean, a case summary. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, when you say a case summary, exactly what do you mean by a case summary? Um, what it was, what it's it's organized by issue and area of the statute, such as, like, for instance, uh, 1692E8 or 1692. Oh, okay. You're talking about how the NCLC book is broken down, is what you're talking about. Well, th these. These files are broken down that way, okay. okay? 
And there, and NCLC calls them case summaries. Well, what I was doing, I was going through and I was looking for specific information um, having to do with a specific issue and company, etc. And I was highlighting it um, so that when I send it to you, Dave, you don't have to read the whole thing. All you have to do is go through and anything that's highlighted is relevant. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So that's what I was doing. All right. Now, for everybody's benefit, you heard me talk many times in the past about there being areas where the FCRA and the FDCPA merge together and coexist within credit reporting, even though it's FDCPA, right? Uh-huh. We had also discussed many times that there is a lack of case law out there showing that under the FCRA, the monthly reporting on a credit report is each month is an individual violation. Uh-huh. Correct? All right. Uh-huh. We also know that there are lots and lots of cases out there under the FDCPA, which firmly establish that the courts recognize the act of reporting on your credit report is an attempt to collect. Okay? Uh-huh. All right. Now, this case is Brooks versus Midland Credit Management, Inc. It's a Maryland case of March in 2013. And I was aware of this case for different reasons, had never come across this particular statement from that case. Based on what I just said, listen to what it says. And that remember, this is pertaining to FDCPA, not FCRA. Uh-huh. Reporting debts to credit agencies during the one-year statute of limitations period constituted collection activity that was not time-barred. Each report was a discrete act, not a continuing violation. Oh, so every time they report, it begins a new statute of limitations period for... A new violation. Exactly. And this has to do with credit reporting. If the FDCPA establishes that each time they do something, it's a discrete act, it's also a discrete act in the FCRA each time they do it. And month after month, in other words, this is saying, uh, excuse me, because their defense was like, well, you know, they weren't like physically reporting it every month. They furnished information and then it just gets reported, you know, the usual. Right. But what, what the court is saying is that, oh, no, no, you don't get to do that because the act of reporting, the act of furnishing information and having it be on a credit report month after month is an attempt to collect. And each time it happens... Each month that it's renewed is a discrete, unique violation. Uh-huh. 
great language. Very, so it clarifies yeah. it very well. It really does, and everybody should make note of that case. It's Brooks versus Midland Credit Management out of Maryland, March of 2013. It pops right up with Google, just Brooks versus Midland, and it's pretty cool. You know, when you can when you consider the fact that there are other cases against Midland where the courts have ruled that, you know, reporting or the threat of reporting is a violation. It makes it makes it pretty clear when they when they send you a Dunning letter threatening to report adverse information on your credit report. That's that's a violation. Yeah, that's a violation if they can't. But what you're saying there is that. If they, if they report one month and they report the next month, each month is a separate violation. It becomes a violation of FTCPA. Also, it extends it out. And you and and instead of having a judge rule that oh no, you know there's only one FTCPA violation, you could file multiple lawsuits. And if they tried to combine them, argue the fact that each one has has a, a separate oper- operative fact where Dave's old argument about the car wreck. You know, well, yeah. if you had a car wreck this month and you had a car wreck next month, it's two separate accidents, right? So exactly. that, is, that is huge. <laughs> Isn't it? It's such an obscure little case, uh, you know, didn't get a lot of attention. And so much of the the really good stuff comes from cases like that like james versus midland for instance that is enormous but they they hushed that one up real quick for good reason and it didn't get a lot of publicity you know so i mean this is important on on a lot of different levels the other thing is if i'm not mistaken i didn't go back and read the whole case again it's been a while since i read it but midland's uh stance, I believe, on it, was that the one year of statute of limitations had expired because the first time they reported was beyond a year. And when this lawsuit was filed, it it was maybe 13, 14 months into it. What the court is saying is, oh, no, the consumer doesn't have to go back to that first time you did it. Each time you did it, you were creating a new violation. Therefore, each distinct violation has its own one-year statute of limitations. Right. Just like the FCRA. That's yep. huge. Huge. Uh-huh. It's yep. really, really cool when you dig these cases up, Terry. I have a well, question about I, that. Well, yeah, I, I was doing some research for Dave to help him with something. And because I'm in waiting mode right now, and I told him, you know, if you need some help, now's some time to now's the time to <laughs> to draft me, you know. And um, it was something I've been wanting to do anyway, because I'm putting this together in Scrivener, so that I will have a file on this company and adverse litigation against them and on various issues. Um, and I've been meaning to do it, so. That just kind of made me get off my duff and, and get it done. And I stumbled across that just, you know, skimming through these NCLC files. Yeah. Now, Jeff, you said you wanted to make a comment or yeah, had a so question? I had, I had a question on that. 
Okay. Um, you know, if you were going to attempt to use that decision for an in an FCRA, I can I can see, you know, having to have to dispute first. But in the case of the FDCPA, would you have to dispute with credit reporting agencies first in order to bring the FDCPA to bear? No. On a continuing no. No. basis. No. No. You understand, no where, you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Okay. Now, see, the, you have the requirement to dispute before you can ever uh, have a violation in the FCRA because you give them, you have to give them a chance to correct the information. You know, oh, yeah. we made a mistake. Okay, sorry, we'll correct this, and okay, there's no problem. But if somebody commits an FDCPA violation, there is no remedial situation for it. If they did, it's a strict liability statute. If you committed it, you're on the hook. Right. Just thought I would check because, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good to bring that stuff up because that helps clarify it, especially for new people that maybe aren't as familiar with stuff. As right. But to take, to take that a little further for you, Jeff, let's just say hypothetically it all began with an FCRA dispute. Okay, the person gets their credit report. They see Midland on there reporting something they have no right to be reporting, and the person disputes it with a credit reporting agency, which triggers the FCRA, not the FDCPA. Okay, so they dispute. The dispute process goes for, forward. Midland does what Midland always does and lets the computer handle it, and they tell the CRA it's verified it stayed, Okay, now the consumer is like, all right, you did not investigate. You did not resolve the problem. And you are reporting false information on my credit report. Okay, so then Midland comes back and says, well, too bad, so sad by the time this consumer gets around to suing them. That was over a year ago. All right, well, they didn't need to dispute directly with Midland, they didn't need any of that. They already established by disputing under the FCRA that it was false information that okay. they were disputing. If you, you follow? Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's what I meant by the FCRA when a, when a violation is triggered under the FCRA, which of course happens when you dispute, it very often can also trigger FDCPA. Okay, now, I, I'm going to dig just a little bit deeper here. Now, this all has to do with the reporting on the, the credit reports. Mm -hmm. and each, each, each report is a separate and, and distinct or discrete report. It's, all right, set this the uh, credit, the CRAs aside for a moment. Mm -hmm. Would that, just based on that decision, wouldn't any Dunning letter uh, that came after the first one, that was a year out, any Dunning letter that came after that be a separate and distinct would have its own separate one-year statute of limitations? Depending on what violation you are claiming on that Dunning letter. Uh, if it's outside the 30-day validation period, you can't go after that one right. that 
you know, you, 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 can, you can demand validation, of course, at any right. point. Right. But if they don't validate that one, you can't go after. But let's say there are other violations on that Dunning letter. Then, yes, I would say that is a, dis, a, a distinct and discreet separate violation, especially if, let's just say hypothetically, we're talking five different letters. Okay, and each letter is not identical. They're they're um, committing different violations under the FDCPA in each letter, even if there might be um, one of the same or two of the same, but each letter has a distinct and different violation in it. I would say that's a strong argument that that's a unique and distinct uh, okay. violation. Well, so, it is, but you have to move quickly. You have to get each lawsuit filed quickly. That's what Jesse's done with the foreclosure stuff, is he files quickly and then pushes them for a settlement. Because if not, if you let them accumulate, they'll say, oh, there's just one violation. The right, court yeah. will combine them. Okay. It's not as clear-cut as the reporting. And, Jeff, it's it's not each report is a is a unique violation. It's each update to the trade line. That's what I thought. They have to update the trade line on a monthly basis. If you're Larry, you pull your credit report every day. So it's not going to be every day is a new violation. It's when they update it. And in the trade line, it will show the date that it was updated, you know, and the status of it, or it should. So in the case of get a Dunning letter, respond to the Dunning letter with the dispute demand for validation, they don't validate. A year and a half has gone by. They send me another Dunning letter. That's a violation. That, it, that's, what yeah. I, that's what I thought. If, if, but I wanted if, to be 100% clear on it because you know, it, it's one of those things where the mind shares with, but what about this and what about that? You know, so I, I, have, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I have not seen where there is a statute of limitations on a demand for debt validation. I haven't either, but you know... No. I just wanted to. I've got somebody that's got the issue, and I wanted to be a hundred percent certain in what I say. The way that works is when they send you the initial letter, and it's and it, if it has the proper language in there about vet, you know you have the right to validate the debt. If you send the debt validation letter within the thirty day period, then they're bound to no longer contact you, right? Unless it is to validate the debt. Right. to tell you that they're no longer going to collect on the debt. The letter where they say they're no longer collect, going to collect is not a attempt to collect. It's right. just right. But the, but the law but it has also, be, it has it, it also doesn't say, John, that it doesn't say that they either have to validate it or stop collecting it just for a year and then start over on a new no, debt. No, right, 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 right. They have to stop. To, they have to stop permanently, and yes. if they send another letter, then that's a new violation, and it's from that period on as a year. So, and you know, companies like Midland, you send them a debt validation letter, they send you another violation. They sent you send them a debt validation. They'll they'll just play tennis with you back and forth. I, I know people personally that were in federal court with them, 
And even though they were being, Midland was being sued for violations, they were continuing to send dunning letters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about, I can't remember who it was who was talking about it, but they were suing them for uh, 50, 60 TCPA calls. And during the suit, they called another 60 or 70 times. They oh, yeah. just have too much money to give away. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> you know, it makes uh, you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, well. Well, Terry. Oh, Terry, but you guys, you... that's that that's that's the industry superhero that uh, drafted and established the uh, consumers' bill of rights. <laughs> and it, you know, I find that so damn funny because I read their consumers' bill of rights. And they don't comply with a single one of those. Right. Well, wouldn't that be unfair and deceptive? Yeah, I I would say, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's deceptive on its face based on their actions. And they've published it publicly. So... (laughs) Yeah, they they do not practice what they preach. Yeah. But but what I was going to say, Terry, is what you're working on is very powerful. And if you were to type up a page similar to what Inside, you know, how Inside Arm has a page that says rulings that are good for debt collectors and adverse, well, you just get all the ones that are adverse, put the case name, the case number, the date, the district, and a brief, you know, one, one paragraph on what the best parts are, and then a link to the order it would be very interesting, you know. Jeff would probably stick it up on his page, you know. Oh yes, a, a Midland RIP page. <laughs> <laughs> In great big bold letters now, Jeff. R period I period uh, P period. Yeah, exactly. Right. That would be popular. Yeah, Midland probably sue me about it. No. Well, but, no, why? they can't. It's a matter of public record, and there's not a lie to be had. Right. And it doesn't mean they can't sue me. You know better than that, Terry. Oh, that's true, but wouldn't that be a fun suit to Oh, buy? yes. Couldn't you imagine what you could do to them in discovery? Oh, yeah, no kidding. Really, produce ah. that case. And every document and piece of paper connected with it, and the witnesses. Uh-huh. And let's see how these statements are not factual. Well, you know that guy that wrote the book, um, uh, Suing, what was it? Uh, Sue Happy, you know, Suing oh, Sue Happy. Oh, yeah, Netflix. I know. I, I, I don't remember. He, he has a book that's called How to Create a, a Sucks Website. So, you know, you pick you pick a company you're pissed off at and you title the website, you know, in this case it could be like midlandsucks.com. And you <laughs> and you publish this with, you know, with all the factual information right there. Is and NCOC is NCOC going to take any action because of their copyrights? Not if she's just taking the stuff that from the actual cases, if you yeah. get the order of the case from Pacer and what would be what would be super cool is instead of relying on the case someplace else, if you just had a link that went to Pacer and and if there were documents that were recapped already. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. 
Jason. I mean, yeah, I just paid be, my recap bill, by the way. <laughs> it, it, uh, it'll yeah. be a lot of work by the time I finish it, but you know that I've said it before. That Scrivener software is just the best thing I ever got, and it enables me to organize a project like that so easy, and not have files all over the place and. You know, I love it. So it's going to be a lot easier to do than it would have been a year ago, which is probably why I didn't get around to it yet. All right. <laughs> All right. Do we have any questions, Dave? What? Do we have any questions? Well, that's what I was just going to say. We, You know, we've had discussion on that. Thank you for uh, doing that, Terry, and bringing that up. But uh, I want to see if anybody else has got any good news, and then we're going to go to Q&A. Anybody got any good news that they want to bring up? If not, then we are going to go oh. ahead and jump straight into Q&A. One point I want to make. As far as Midland is concerned and Encore, the whole three-headed beast, that, let's see, about 1,500 pages I went through of case oh summaries. And, and, it, and as you can imagine, there is a boatload of the cases that involve them more than I would say any other specific company. Um, but there were cases that were adverse to the plaintiff, but Midland didn't have any wins on points of law. All of it was a failure to either plead correctly or procedural. Mm-hmm. In other words, either the pro se litigant screwed up or his attorney, his or her attorney screwed up. Right, and uh, their their defenses appear to always be the same. Like, they haven't had a new twist or a new idea, and God only knows how long. Since they graduated from middle school. Yeah. Mm, there you go. Well, there there isn't much defense for what they do. <laughs> That's why they're called Midland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to see if there's uh, anybody that has any good news. If not, then we're going to go to uh, the Q&A. One more time. Any good news? You don't need to have yourself in the queue. All you got to do is speak up. Oh, I'd like to speak up. How's everyone doing this evening? We're doing just fine. Wonderful. How's the tiger tonight? Uh, tiger is flying. Well, that's good. Flying low Thank or you. flying high? Flying high. There you go. Okay. I wanted to comment on, Terry, I'm glad you brought that up. I have been thinking about doing a database of file references and access, and I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I've been just beating myself up to how big a task that is. It is, unless you have Scrivener. I'm telling you, that really makes things like this a lot easier. Do you know, I, I went and got that file, and um, I never downloaded it. I, I, I mean, I never installed it. Ah, I you need I, to. I think I, yeah, I think I purchased it. I don't even remember now. I'll have to check. But, okay, just wanted to add that to it. I'm sorry. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Now, you got your hand up in the queue. Am I going to get to you and you got a question, or, or were you going to bring up what you just talked about? 
I was going to bring up what I just talked about. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and, and click you and take you out of the queue. Thank you. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Throw me away, Dave. Oh, I'm not throwing <laughs> you. I'm, I'm just, I'm not throwing you away. I am simply moving your chair over to the side out of the lanes of traffic. So you don't oh, get run over. He is such a gentleman. Isn't he? That sounds really they, good. They don't call me Mr. Nice Guy for nothing. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Let's go to the queue. If anybody's got questions or comments tonight, uh, star eight is how you put yourself in the queue. We'll take you in the order that you've got your hands up. And to start with, we're going to go to Southern California. You have been unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going tonight, you guys? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I just wanted to say also thank you, Terry, for bringing up that Midland case. Um, Are you welcome? Yes, it's the answer I've needed all year. Oh, cool. Yeah, and the The statute of limitations is probably going to be up soon. Oh, way cool. Yeah, so I just wanted to kind of go over that case really quick. Um, I started with... um, SummerSlam 2012, and when all these uh, um, violations started happening was December 2013. And the debt collector started reporting on my credit. I did everything pretty much by the book, according to the site. I uh, sent the debt validation letter. They sent back um, some kind of form to fill out all your information, some kind of fraud form. (laughs) Yeah, which, okay, where... In the law, FCRA or FDCPA, is there a provision for you having to prove fraud for them to have to fulfill their obligation under the law? Yeah, exactly. Mm, Nowhere. Now, that's a trick of theirs. And what they try to do is get people to fill out, you know, say... Say some hypothetical person out there had a debt. They went to Linkwood on, blah, blah, blah. It was sold, and, you know, somewhere down the road, Midland got a hold of it. And then they get them to fill out this fraud affidavit and say, you know, oh, no, this wasn't my account. It was obtained fraudulently, blah, blah, blah. And they try to get the thing where it's notarized when you sign off on it. Then they're going to try in a, in a lawsuit, if they bring that up, to say that you're, you've perjured yourself they'll come up to try to say you've perjured yourself, especially if they're doing a collection action on you. If you're in court with a collection action, that's one of their common tactics to wrestle people. Sneaky trick. Oh. And, and, okay. and, and that in itself makes it an unfair and deceptive act. Yes, it does. So if they, oh, attempt, right. to, if they attempt to make you fill out a there's nothing that says you need to do that. It's a it's an attempt to gain information from you, and it's a deceptive uh, way of of doing things on their part. Because they, it you know, you're supposed to take that to the uh, to the police department. And if you look on the form, I think the one that comes from Midland, they've they've got on there someplace. Please don't please don't give this to police. Please please return it to us. You know. <laughs> And that makes it even more that makes it even more of a violation. Okay. 
Well, you know, I when I got the letters, I didn't like it at all. I mean, I, I thought it was a creepy letter, and it was a two-page, and I just didn't deal with it. I ignored it, and then later on that year, I had some more things to dispute on my credit report, and I added them again, this other debt collector. It's not Midland, actually. It's PRA. Um, they sent and the same letter. Yeah, they sent the same letter, and I ignored it. And then throughout the year, it happened, I think, probably another time. And every time they reported, it went for exactly 12 months. It went from December 2013 to December 2014. Okay, let me ask you this. When, when you finally get to court, all right, and that, that'll be their, their little defense, just like Midland. Well, you know, uh, she wouldn't help us. And so we couldn't do anything, and we didn't have to, because the consumer um, didn't provide us with any proof or, a, or an identity theft report, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, no, you don't have to. You don't get to shift the burden of proof for a negative, which is impossible, onto the consumer. But here's the thing. As John pointed out, and you have to point out in your pleadings when they come up with this bogus defense, how could you be expected to fill out a fraud report when you do not have firsthand fact knowledge of a crime identity theft or fraud having taken place, you would be perjuring yourself. You would be committing a crime, swearing to something that you don't have personal knowledge of. All you know is, that's not mine. There's a million ways that information could have ended up where it ended up, and they could have gotten a hold of it. Identity theft is but one. That is very true. That is very true, Terry. That's how you fight it. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to definitely use that because, I mean, everything went totally exactly how it should have gone. And um, so I'm coming up on December 2015, and now that I got the answer, I can go with it. Well, cool. I'm so glad I stumbled across that. (laughs) Good. Yeah, yeah. All right, that take care of your question? Yes, it does. All righty. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All right. We are going to go to Washington, but I have to mute you and unmute you because you got in the queue without muting yourself first. Washington, you are up. Go ahead. Is this uh, Bellevue, Washington? Uh, I don't know about Bellevue, but it's Washington, and it lit up when you talked. So, Okay. Uh, the spotlight's on you. All right. Well, I'm relatively new to uh, this uh, trench warfare here. (laughs) Trench warfare. I like that term. Yeah, it can be that at times. There's no question about it. All right. The short story uh, is that um, I received a letter dated August 5th, which uh, informed me – well, no, let me me back up a little bit before that – uh, last year, uh, August 27th of 14, I got a letter from a law firm in uh, Wenatchee, Washington. I didn't know them. It was related to a long ago, five years ago, Citibank uh, credit card issue. And they wanted, uh, they gave the last payment and all the interest and 
accrued interest and, and legal fees and so on that they wanted to tell me I owed them. And uh, so I sent them a validation letter within the 30 days. And it's, I don't think they ever sent me any response. So that was quiet after that. And on this particular Citibank issue, there had been a long stream of other collectors, more than anything else I'd ever seen before, uh, probably 10 different entities over the course of, oh, of a four and a half, five grief. years. Yeah. And I sent validation letters to all of them, and they all disappeared. And these guys came up, and I sent the validation to the letter to them. I have all the, the return uh, you know, green cards coming back to prove it. Okay. And it was quiet. And then suddenly last week, dated August 5th, a letter arrives which informs me of a, a default judgment that has been completed on me uh, around this issue. Um, and they say, uh, if we obtain your banking or deployment informa or employment information, we may attempt to garnish your wages and our bank accounts. If you would prefer to avoid this process by making arrangements to pay, please contact us. So uh, the summary judgment came along with that letter. For I assume you were not served. That's the, that's right. What happened that's, was that's uh, the obvious thing. Some further investigation. They sent. Uh, I mean, there in the in the um, in the county recorder there is a record of all of this. Um, you you mean in the court record? In the court record. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how to look that up. A friend of mine sent it to me, found it for me. Okay. And it, they, it, it seemed that one of the documents there purported that they had tried to serve me at my residence five times or four times and once at my mailing address. And um, I was unaware of that. There was no uh, record of any or sense right. of any of that happening. Right. In other words, they lied. Well, they may have lied. They may not have lied. They may have been here. They had all the details spelled out as if they had been here. Yeah, well. That's an assertion, and so this is the first time I'm seeing this. I said, well, they didn't get the certain things right consistently, but it looks like they wrote it up to make it look like they had been here. Maybe oh, sure, sure, sure. That's, that's called sewer service, but exactly. go ahead. Exactly, and then they continued with that, and I didn't know about it until a couple of days ago when someone helped me find all these records. So you never had a chance to defend yourself, so never there's, a, a, there's a void judgment. And, and the other thing is that there was uh, that, that the uh, the background papers behind this judgment included all of these steps that they had. Um, let's see, they had, they had. I'm trying to remember the language exactly, but essentially that the judge had decided that they had done everything they could do to serve me personally, so he granted them the right to serve me by publication, which they then apparently did. Now, uh, in the, this area, uh, it's sort of like a mini New York kind of area in Washington State, and there's... Uh, what do you mean a mini New York? Well, it has many uh, neighborhoods and sections, much like the five boroughs of Manhattan. Oh, oh okay. All right. With distinctive, uh, distinctive personalities and, and uh, demographics. Okay, all right. All right. So uh, I'm in uh, the eastern side of this uh, whole complex of things, and the paper they chose to use was on the extreme western side, like almost like a, really another city. 
And so it was in the, the local paper where they, for six weeks, apparently claimed to have published the summons, the notice of the summons, and that I better show up for the summons. Uh, to, for yeah, the, yeah, this is, <clears throat> it, it, you're dealing with a corrupt situation. Okay, so. Right, so that, that's where we stand now, and I have several other questions, but first of all, I just wanted to know what are the most important steps that I need to take, and then if you, if there's time, I'll, I'll ask the other simple When questions. When was the uh, judgment rendered? The date of the judgment was stamped on here, July 22nd of 2015. Okay, all right. And the the, uh, the envelope in which it came was that doesn't uh, matter. August 5th. That, that doesn't matter. Okay. You're going to need to do a motion to vacate void judgment. Right. And you're going to have to provide an affidavit with it, and you're going to make your arguments that. You know, you were at such and such address. Did, did they said that they tried to serve you at your address, right. correct address? That was the reason. Okay. I just believed them and said, yes, you can serve by publication. Okay. But they said they, try, they tried to serve you how many times? Uh, well, once at my mailing address and five, four times at my home address. Uh, what's your mailing address? Uh, it is a uh, street address with a suite number. So that it's in the same town where I live. It's about two okay. Miles. Now, now, what is it? It's a suite number. Is this like a uh, mailboxes, et cetera, type uh, thing, like a UPS kind of store? Thing. Yes. And I, 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 maybe I should tell you that uh, I've been living here 30 years, and around 1995, because I traveled a lot at that time in my work, the post office uh, said to me directly, you should not have a mailbox at your house because it's too much identity theft going on and you're not there and you're sitting dark if you do that so why don't you just chop down your mailbox and go to a uh you know mailbox mm-hmm. and I, ever since then that's what i've done so i never get any mail at my house okay so you don't even have a box at your house any anything comes i have to a do. door but i don't have a box no that's what i mean you don't have a mail slot you don't have a box there no. the postal service knows that you get your mail that's at right. the other address okay that's the address um, they tried to serve me, and they said right. that it wasn't an address, so they, right. they gave okay. up. Yeah. Okay, question. Did they specify, and the times that they tried to serve you at your residence address, what time they tried to serve you? Yes. What time did. of day or night? They did. And were those times that you would have been around or not? I could have been around. I don't know. I don't remember whether I was around. Well, no, I I, rem- I I understand you can't yeah, remember when you're every single usually day. around yeah. at yeah. that time. I'm, I'm in my house quite a lot. Yes. Okay. I'm not, I mean, and I don't what, travel. What, t- what times of the day did they say? The earliest they... one. The earliest one was at uh, five nineteen in the evening, and the latest one was at eight thirty. So between that, those right. are the times they came. Oh, okay. Now, is it normal? Would you say you're at home those hours? the majority of the time or the minority of the time? About 50-50. Okay. Every day is different. I have no regular set schedule. Right. Okay. And did they say that they left any kind of notice for you? They did not say that they did, and they didn't. Okay. The, see, the reason I'm asking these questions, I'm giving you the, the trail on how you need to argue this. Okay. 
because they they stated that they tried this number of times well uh you are you can state in an affidavit that you are home a substantial amount of uh, the time uh during those hours mm-hmm. that you were there was never any attempt to serve you while you were there there was no notification left that uh, somebody was trying to contact you. Right. You, you see where I'm going there. And, you I know, do. Th- I have a few questions about that, but I, I do. That's exactly how I was thinking when I was going okay. through this. Yeah. All right. You got questions. Go ahead and ask. All right. Well, uh, they tried by by describing the house in in various ways which I can't verify whether they were true or not but uh you know it was a good it sounded like somebody was here and that they gave the names of the people um that they tried but I can Okay no okay stop a minute they no. said that there was somebody there and they tried No they said they said that they knocked on the door and nobody answered the the, the blinds were closed lights were on in some cases lights were off in other cases depending on the day so, no answer. Lights on. Same vehicle in driveway. No answer. No change. That was okay. Last. Did did they state what kind of vehicle? Uh, they have a license plate of a car, but the license plate each time they mention it has one variation in it. It's not the same <laughs> license plate three times. It's it's everything except one letter is the same, but one letter keeps changing. Strange. Oh well, isn't that convenient? Yeah. Why do you keep changing your your place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is this is a real concerted effort at sewer service. I'll tell you that. Well, I think so, especially going all the way to the other side of town to a place which I hardly ever go to, uh, you know, at all. And I certainly don't read the newspapers there or almost anywhere else. Okay, yeah, but that's just one item to bring up. Um, do who tried to serve you? Uh, the uh, these were these were representatives of a of a local place called Pacific Coast Attorney Services Process Servers. Oh, okay. So do they have the name of the process server? They do. Okay. There are two of them. Uh, there's there's a gentleman named Andre Clark, and he came twice, and then alternating with him was a woman named Elizabeth Wilkinson. Okay. Now, uh, something I want you to. Uh, do some homework is I want you to Google those names, process, uh, service of process, and the name. Okay. Uh, various variations, uh, complaints, complaints about the uh, uh, process serving company. Okay. Stuff like that. See if there's any, uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to open a Google window here right now. What's the name of the process serving company? Pacific Coast Attorney Services. Pacific Coast Attorney Services. Signed by the Complaints. Manager. Well, just complaints. Uh, okay. Da, 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 da. There's I got a whole bunch of things there. to uh, look 
and see if there's any complaints. Okay. And let's see if there's any reviews. Because a lot of times if you got a scumbag outfit, there'll be complaints about them. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know if you, if you don't ask. Right. You know. Uh, da, 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 da. No, there's. I'm not seeing anything on that. But uh, you know, you uh, you need to do your uh, your homework because they're saying that they came out. But wow, there's. You know, uh, they. Uh, you were there, and or you're saying you weren't there. But then the, the cars and. I may have been here. There's a lot of times people oh, oh, come oh. and and. Tell me they knocked on the door, but if I'm in my office, I'm at the other end of the house. I don't hear it. Okay. Well, you got to be careful with that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think of other possibilities. Um, the, the big one of the big things is that they they uh, published across town. <coughs> yes. Right, and I have. And, I was going to call in an area where, where you had a copy of this thing. It was several months ago that this came out. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they would have a copy of it. But the the point is, they published it somewhere where it you would not have readership of it. It's not in your readership area. Right. 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 Okay. Same county. That's all. And the judge said exactly, and the the statute said, I believe, that if it's with, it has to be within the county. So this. Yeah. Okay. Well, see. But see, these these people know all these little things. Sure. Right. Um, you sent them a debt validation letter. Yeah. Okay. Um, wh- another question: uh, How much is how much is the amount involved here? Well, the original amount. No, no. How much is the amount that was involved in the judgment? And the judgment is twenty thousand nine hundred eighteen dollars. Okay. All right. So it's a chunk. Um, it's not a two thousand dollar deal. No, I'm I'm just trying to think of all the uh, the various things that uh, you'd want to cover before you go and and do a uh, a motion to vacate void judgment. You know, you you had no opportunity to uh, uh, defend yourself. You know, they bring a suit against you. Right. Um. Who who is the uh, law firm that uh, that did this? The law firm, the the plaintiff, is called CFH Investments, LLC. CFH Investments. Investments. In Winnet. Well, I don't know where they are, but I know. Is that that the collector for the judgment Uh, or for the debt? Jeff, Jeff, please, just hold on. That's CFH Investments, LLC? That's right. Okay. Uh, And uh, that's... They're debt buyers. Okay, is a is a profit company in Washington. Its company number is to, to, to CFH Investments. Was registered on eleven twenty eight eleven. Company status is listed as active. Uh, okay, and I'm going to go to corporate wiki. This is uh, this is Washington Corporation. This is uh, right out of the uh, state of Washington. It's a fairly new company. Mm-hmm. Registered agent is Brian Fair. 
I'm trying to see if there's any other information here. Uh, okay. Research, but you're going to want to respond to this thing fairly soon. But you need to uh, get as much information on these guys as you can. I That's didn't find eight. any complaints about the process servers. Yeah, about the date. I mean, I've been told by different people saying different things. Um, the, since the, the, the judgment was the 22nd, and I found out about it on the 7th of August, um, what is the time that I have in order? Well, to you, you're going to want to respond to it quite rapidly. The longer you wait, the more suspect it becomes, because okay. you need to. You're going to want to uh, get this uh, motion back before the court and say, "Hey, yeah. I didn't know anything about this." Mm -hmm. Now, uh, question on this vehicle: They described the vehicle. No. Okay. It is the license plate number anywhere near your license plate number? Oh, it's not my vehicle. Would there be any other vehicle in your driveway? No. Then they were at the wrong place, weren't they? Uh, well, no. I mean, I have I have a friend who sometimes parks a car there uh, for a day or two, uh, but it's it's not there. That car is long gone. Oh, okay. This was a year ago. Okay. Well, no. Wait a minute. They didn't just serve you a year. When no, did the, they the, serve the, you? This this uh, attempt to serve was. Almost a year ago. It started on uh, October 29th through December 12th. Okay, a year ago. Last year, all in, t in 2014. Okay, all right. Well, no, that wasn't, uh, that's less than a year ago. Um, right. Your, your friend, uh, you need to get a hold of him and find out what the license, is, uh, license plate is on his car. Uh, whether okay, it, I can do that. Do you see how you want to track back these things? Yeah. Um, you know, because if the uh, the license plate on his car, if he was there, they don't describe the vehicle. No. They don't. They don't say it's a brown Mazda or a, a green Chevrolet Malibu. No. Okay. Since they were coming late in the day and late in the year, it might have been too dark for them to see that. Well, it's funny they, how they it's funny how they've got three different license plate numbers. Mhm. Mm and the the car that was in the driveway is not your car. That's right. So, see, you're trying to poke holes in their service so yeah. that you can vacate the judgment. Is right. the, the whole thing you need to go through those things. Um, but you need to get a hold of your friend and say, "Hey, you know, when you were parking your car here, what was the license plate number?" 
You know, All right, I'll do that. And do, do your numbers stay the same where you get stickers on the plates, or do you get new plates every year? No, the, the numbers don't change. We get stickers on the plates, but that doesn't Okay, change. all right. So then more than likely, if he, do you know if he's still got the car, the same car? I doubt it. I don't think so. I mean, it, 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 would, would he have to uh, fill out He'd have answer. to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles or something to... Uh, uh, see if what he had, what was registered to him, then what the plate number was. I know, but in, oh, no. of, of what, of, in court, is am I going to have to pre- present some? No, not necessarily. Okay. Just go find information. Don't worry about presenting in court yet. Okay. Find information. Okay. Gather information to put together to make your arguments to poke holes. Yeah. The only person that parked uh, any vehicle at my residence, uh, you have a vehicle, right? But that's in the garage. It's in the garage. Okay, you didn't have yours parked outside. All right. No. Um, the the only person that parked a vehicle outside at my premises was so-and-so, uh, you know, John Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, his license plate, uh, the license plate number on his vehicle was not remotely uh, the same did not, as the uh, did, did not comport with the the yeah. license plate number and the license plate number that supposedly was on the vehicle. There's three different license uh, license plates. Uh, you know, Mr. John Jones didn't have a license plate on his vehicle that was anywhere near that, and you could get an affidavit from him stating, "I had a uh, a green whatever." And the license plate number on it was one two three four five six seven, and they're saying it's X Y Z A B C. See what I mean? Yeah. This is all the kind of stuff that you use to poke holes in their their service. Mm-hmm. And you go to the court and say, "Look, you know, somebody's lying here." The bottom line is, I was never served. You, they, you know, isn't it interesting that they published somewhere where I wouldn't read it? Yes. Well, this brings me, I mean, the, my question that I want to come back to at the end is the judge must have known this, too, being the resident in this area. This is very obvious that this is not a sensible publication suggestion. So, well, that's, what, that's what I was just referring to is, I mean, it's, you know, if you're going to have publication, the publication has to be something that even remotely uh, could be seen by the person that it's aimed at. And, and, and when when you have an, uh, something like this where uh, publications are done by city and there's different ones uh, to publish in a uh, uh, a newspaper or whatever in a completely different area, right. it, it's, uh, it falls right in with the other facts that don't jive, Your Honor. And uh, it appears that uh, there was, there's hanky-panky in the service here I was never properly served, therefore I could not properly defend myself. I had no knowledge that there was any lawsuit against me. Therefore, the judgment is is void and should be vacated, and I should have the opportunity to uh, be afforded due process and be able to defend myself before the court. Okay. Right, and did the judge, uh, I'm just curious, you said the the judge approved service by publication, but did he approve that particular publication, or did he just say in general service by publication? 
I'm going to look. I've got it on my computer here, and it said, let's see. Oh, no, it's right here. In the event, the court, in, in the event, this is after their assertions of having tried to serve me in all possible ways. Uh, in the and then they said I, it's, they they suspected that I was uh, avoiding service, right? That's what they assert that I was. Yeah. Yeah. and I, I had no idea this had even gone on. In the event the court grants plaintiff's request to serve the defendant by publication, the summons in the above entitled manner will be published in the West. I'll leave out the city name Herald, but the West region, and I'm in the East region, a totally different city a newspaper of general circulation in King County, Washington, once a week for six weeks. Yeah, yeah, now, is the circulation for that paper, does it does it uh, normally come over to you, or is there like a, an Eastern version of, of that? I've never seen it in 30 years of living here. And and they say, pursuant to RCW 4.20.100, and I did look at those, and the there's a bit of wiggle room. They're rather vague statements, but I, I, I don't have it in front of me right now to ask you about it. Okay. But well, they, they're, they're basing it in Washington um, statute, but it's, it's bizarre because this whole thing was more related to tracking down uh, people who were in some kind of parental child uh, type of case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... The other thing that is very that struck me immediately is very odd, but I don't have a lot of experience with these documents. The the attorney, the uh, the plaintiff attorney, of course, has a totally uh, not a signature, just a wavy line which anybody could forge in a second. And the judge who signed off on all of these documents is never named. It's it, there's no name for the judge. It's just a sort of a John Hancock squiggle with no John Hancock in there. Even the H is similar to John Hancock's signature. I remember. Did the judge's name isn't under the line or the signature? Not under the line, not over the line, nowhere in any of these documents that they sent me. Okay. Well, what I would do, one of the very first things that I would do is uh, go talk to the clerks at the court and show them the stuff and say, who's the judge that handled this? Right. What's his name? So you may find that that the judge didn't sign it. Well, he he signed it uh, in the same way in each place where he could, but his yeah. name never is printed anywhere. Yeah. Well, you don't know who the judge is. I mean, yeah, it, 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 that's pretty strange. But no, right, it so is I what it is. It struck me as being irregular, but it was so consistent here, and I haven't ever seen this type of document before. I didn't know. That's why I had to ask. Mm-hmm. So it's fishy, and and these are bottom feeder type people. Well, sure. Well, they're debt buyers. uh, uh, They are a debt buyer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And they don't. They don't have. So they never. They never would have been able to prove up that debt. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why they did. Yeah, your first order of business is to get the the judgment vacated. You know. Now, the you last you need to be afforded due process, and you weren't. This has been very helpful, but the, the last two questions are, are important. Uh, several people have told me things which turned out to be not accurate, but uh, they all said, don't try to do this yourself. You've got to get a lawyer because you're dealing with a bunch of sharks. And uh, so I, I'm open to that, but I would have to find the right kind of lawyer, number one. 
And uh, there was one other part to this. It'll come to me in a second, but that, that's the first, the first part of the end of these questions. There's one more piece, but I don't remember it right now. Well, okay. debt well. Buyers, all debt buyers are sharks. They're extortionists. Right. That's a given. That's a given. But we deal with them all the time. Well, I, I mean, I, I know from having listened to some calls before uh, that you are highly qualified to advise me in, in, the, in this general way because you've been paying attention to this for a long time. I know a lot about other things, but not the law. So, you know, everybody... Well, we're not just paying attention to it. Yeah. We do it. We You're engage it. in it. Yeah. We definitely engage in it. <laughs> right. I mean, I... I I don't see that this is my mission in life to devote myself to this. No, no, I, we understand that. We understand. That. I, 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 I cannot, I cannot put up with this type of, of nonsense when I see it and smell it so loudly as in this case. So I will fight with them, but I, I just think I don't want to be fight in a foolish way. If I need to have a bodyguard advising me uh, as a, as a local lawyer who, who actually works close to the courthouse. So as I can, so I don't run up too much of an expense in traveling time. The courthouse is very close to me. Yeah, uh, well, that, that would the, be okay with me to do that. But I would certainly the, check everything. The problem you have is finding a competent lawyer that will actually right. stand up for you. You know what I was instead just instead of say, taking Dave. your money, yeah. giving you lip service, and then yeah. selling you out. What now, I was about to say was that it could prove harder to find uh, the right lawyer for doing something like this than it would be to learn what you need to learn to do it yourself. All right. I, I understand that. Now, I do – I remember the last part of the question. Is I, I do have a friend. He's not local, but he uh, was a – he, he got into law school but didn't go there, and he's now very glad that he didn't, and he's been a paralegal. So he's much more conversant with all of the language and style and so on. Uh, he said, if I could find him a template of a similar type of situation, maybe with slightly different details, but at least to to get this particular motion to to vacate or is it vacate or void or vacate vacate, vacate void judgment motion void. to vacate void judgment. Right. So he he said if he had he was given something to work from, he could put all my facts in there, and then I would go it over with him and, and edit it. How would I get such a... Uh, uh, I can send you a, a, a example template of that. I've helped people was, who have been successful with it. Okay, very good. Because but he would be... He was thinking that since Washington State has rather different rules about everything, uh, it should probably be best... You're, you're going to need to reference the uh, Washington statutes, correct? Yeah, so, yeah, and, and he should be very adept at being able to go in and find that. Yeah, because Washington State has some rather nice state statutes that you can bring with your federal. Okay. Well, so then, then I'll talk to him and I'll say, listen, we can go look for this ourselves. And uh, he, he actually sent me, he was the one who sent me all this information in more depth than what I received in the mail. He got to it very quickly, so he knows his way around. Yeah. And then yeah. together, I'm sure we can write something that would uh, follow what you've advised me to do. Okay. Yeah. Suggest you to do. Suggest. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we don't advise anybody. You you understand that. But yeah, if you want to send me uh, an email. Okay. To knock out collectors. That's K N O C K out 
Collectors, T-O-R-S, at S-W Bell, Southwest Bell, uh-huh. dot net. Okay. And just put uh, vacate void judgment template in the subject line. All right. And uh, just uh, send that to me, and uh, I can send you the stuff back. Now, when you do, when you... Uh, do a motion to vacate void judgment, you have to put an affidavit with it where you state uh, under oath the facts that you're presenting in your uh, mm-hmm. a, in your uh, motion. Right. Because what you're doing there is you're putting sworn testimony before the court in written form. Okay. And then you're going to have to uh, see about setting that for hearing so that you can have a hearing and go in and explain to the judge, you know, Your Honor, I didn't know anything about this. If they tried to serve me, um, you know, they said that there was this car in a driveway. Uh, the only car that's ever been in my driveway was my friend's car. Uh, they don't describe the vehicle that was in the driveway. Mm-hmm. There's no description of that. And the license number... Uh, that was given there, they, they've got three different versions of it. Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, Your Honor, uh, there's three different versions. Um, w- you know, what's right and what's a lie? Which yes. one Which one is correct and which two are the lies? I mean, the thing that, and, that seems strange to me is that, 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 that these three different versions were actually the same person each time who put those. Well, yeah, see, that's, that's, that's the kind of hanky-panky that you do. But then what you'd want to do probably is have an affidavit, get the information from your friend mm-hmm. about whether he ever had a, a vehicle with that license plate uh, number, and get an affidavit from him stating that uh, he has never had uh, that license plate number on a, on a vehicle in the last 10 years or, or whatever. Now, if one of the three licenses... Uh citations here is correct and and in fact the car his car was parked here one of those times then you just don't bring yeah, up that, that argument does that prove it doesn't prove anything that's right yeah but see we always want to find ways to disprove what they're saying see they're right. saying oh we were here and there was license plate number da, 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 da. well they don't they don't state that license number uh, after checking with the department of motor vehicles that license plate was registered to the defendant no mm-hmm. uh-uh. they don't say that they don't even describe the vehicle well how significant is it and if uh, the fact that they skipped over from five times a- asserting they came to the house and tried to contact me, but they did not leave a note, and to going to the publication, why in between could they not have sent me certified mail like everybody else does? Well, no, you can't. That's not an argument you can make. You have to deal with the facts they presented. What you have to do is poke holes in the evidence they gave the court. Okay as a basis for saying, yeah, yeah, we tried to serve this guy. You know, we, we got a legitimate judgment. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. And you didn't because of this, this, and this. Right. So don't embellish their story. Just pull. No, pull. you don't. Emb- no, you. All you ever do is discredit their statements and any uh, potential evidence they put in. You refute it, and you discredit it. And like the, like I said, the deal with that license plate number. Check with your friend, and then you can state the only vehicle. 
that was ever parked in the driveway because my vehicle was always in the garage was a vehicle owned by Sam Jones, and he never had that license plate number even remotely close to or with any of the letters or numbers uh, uh, as uh, mentioned by the uh, alleged process server. Right. And then uh, see uh, affidavit of Sam Jones, and he can do an affidavit of fact that states, I uh, I did park my car in uh, the driveway at John Thomas's house, you know, your name, whatever. Yeah. Don't say what kind of car it was. Mm-hmm. Don't, oh, don't even go there. Right. Why do I say that? Because they didn't say it on their... There you go. There yeah. you go. You don't, don't give them information. Them. Don't help them, okay? Okay. So then you can have an affidavit. You know, I, my vehicle was uh, parked there at times during the period from October 1st to January 2nd. Uh, and uh, uh, the license plate number on my car uh, was such and such and so and so, which is, uh, well, is completely different than the license plate number uh, as alleged in the uh, mm-hmm. lawsuit. You know, but your your paralegal friend should know how to yeah. do a proper affidavit. I'm sure. I'm sure he sure he does. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, of course, we'll think of other questions, but I think for now uh, that's more than sufficient. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Now, do you know about Terry's call on Wednesday night? I do. You do. Okay. Well, so if questions now, come up, you can. Then I'll be on the call. I was just going to say you can do some work between now and then and uh, talk to your uh, uh, paralegal friend. And if you got more questions and stuff, come back on Terry's call on Wednesday night, and we'll see if right. we can uh, fill you in. And I'll send you that email right, right now. As soon as yeah, send that to me, and uh, uh, I think I can probably multitask and uh, send that back to you. Okay. Okay, very much appreciated. All right, you're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a scumbag debt buyer that's trying to wool over some people. Though. Yeah, and they uh, never have standing to sue if he'd known, and that's why they pull this kind of crap. Because yep. if he'd known and he'd answered that suit, it never would have flown. They yep. couldn't have proved it up. Right. Okay, we're going to Southeast Florida. we got a bunch of people in the queue, so we want to get rock and roll in here. Southeast Florida, you are on. Is that Maria? Hi, guys. i got to say there. I didn't have a real good day today, but anyway. Um I'm preparing my motion to compel and so forth, and uh, basically part of it I needed to confer with the attorneys. And I know that um, the South Florida area are very strict as far as conferring and um, trying to uh, work out the, the work out the issues with the opposing counsel before filing a motion to compel. So really needed to kind of get that. They kind of uh, – um, Dragged the 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 um the time to do it. I finally spoke to them today, and basically um, they said that they that um, that all I'm um, searching for is the documents relating to my foreclosure, and that because my lawsuit is not regarding the foreclosure, but in 
in an attempt to collect the debt that all those documents that I'm requesting are irrelevant. Now, that's what they're saying? That's what they're saying. So I'm not sure. I, I, I'm kind of a little bit... Um, well, the documents relate. The documents relate to the the debt that they were attempting to collect, right? Well, yeah, but in okay. The well, then they're relevant. End of story. Either they provide them or do the motion to compel. Well, look look at the words a little closer that we've been over before. I was just trying to remember them off the top of my head. The the information the the things that you are seeking don't have to be. Uh, material where they prove this or that. They just have to reasonably lead. They 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 have to um, potentially reasonably lead to information that would be admissible to court relating to the issues that you have. And you okay. and you don't have to and you don't have to, you know, say well you know I need this block of wood because it's going to prove this that and the other no you don't have to say that you, you just just like think back about terry when she wanted to get the um the sales agreement and all that stuff in her midland case and she had to force the issue and go to court and they had to they had to put it out there because something in that document and she hasn't seen the document she doesn't know what's in there but there might be something in there that would help her prove her case. So the documents, because they relate back to your underlying cause of action and they're related to the matter that you're litigating over, may contain information that would lead to admissible evidence to prove up your case. That's all you need. That's all you need. And anything else is called bullshit. They're giving you a line of bullshit. They don't want to pull their pants down. What you're doing is you're standing there and go, yeah, buddy, how big are you? Pull your pants down. And they're going, no way, uh-uh, no, that's not, no thing going to happen. You can, look at the, you can look at the bulge in my pants, but you're not going to see, nope, no way. And you're going to go, buddy, you're going to pull them down, I'm going to shave you. And, and, and that's an excuse oh God, to be rude, but, but that's the truth of the matter. That's the truth of the matter, and you have you have the right to see that if it's going to help you prove up your case. Now, well, one Maria is going to remember what he just said. Oh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I I I laughed, and and thank you because I needed that laugh. I, I <laughs> the conversation this afternoon didn't go very well, um, and it just it, it it kind of got me down a little bit. But after hearing you guys talk and and really listening and, and and doing my own spiritual speaking. Um I'm still I'm I'm up, up to my trying to get up to my best and, and, and proceed with with uh what I had intentionally intended to do originally. Now one of the things that they are arguing is in, in my line of questioning, I in in my definitions I put foreclosure action and I reference the foreclosure action. So whenever I was asking for documents, for example, all documents which are related to the foreclosure action, including but not limited to collateral file, note, mortgage, judgment, note, security agreements, assignments, allonges, insurance agreements, services agreements, pulling servicing agreements. Okay. Now, they've, of course, objected to that. And 
and and they said that in every reference that I referenced the foreclosure action that uh, they are objecting to it because they are not it, the foreclosure action has no relevance to in this matter. Okay, now the fact that I I'm gonna I'm call you back, huh? Okay, Papa. Whoever that was that just came on said it'll call you back. You need to mute yourself because we heard your conversation. Go ahead. So the fact that I made, in my definitions, I made reference of foreclosure action and that, they're basically arguing that that is directly related to the foreclosure, so therefore none of the documents that I am requesting based upon the foreclosure action are uh, viable and that are not, um, they're not valid. And okay, Maria, stop for a second. So the foreclosure action, we know is an attempt to enforce a security instrument. And you put in there, you, 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 what we talked about before is you put in there uh, 1681, um, what was it, F? No, I didn't do, I did not do, the. Uh, I didn't do um, FCRA. F I, I did FCA F6, right? No, I did not. Remember, that's the one for enforcing a security instrument that brings all. We, I thought when we talked about this before, you said you had that in there. It's the one that says that, you know, even an original creditor then, because anyone becomes a debt collector if they're attempting to enforce a security instrument. No, I don't. I don't have it. I, I, I'm looking at it right now, and I went back to my, to my, my complaint. And I do not have that that uh, violation. Do you have F in there at all? Not nothing. No, I have the G, uh, G A, G B, uh, E eleven, E fourteen, E ten, E two. Okay. Um, well, see the other one. If F helps you out, if they're claiming to be an original creditor, blah blah blah. That's with that argument. But if if they're not the original, because this is Bayview, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're not an original creditor, so then you can make them a debt collector. And um, because because you're suing them for those things, we, we also know that the attempt to enforce a security instrument is also an attempt to collect the debt because they really don't want your property. They want you to pay up. So it's a strong-arm tactic. They bend your arm behind your back and say, we're going to take your house if you don't pay us. And, and by doing that, they're you know hanging you upside down and shaking the money out of your pockets. So it's an attempt to collect the debt. And there is plenty of case law out of the 11th Circuit that shows that. So why, based on that, why wouldn't those documents be relevant? Well, yeah, well, that would yeah. be... Okay, so... Especially and, and the assignments, because the assignments is what establishes uh, uh, authority to collect the debt. Yeah, right. but my my lawsuit, my lawsuit basically goes to um, uh, 1692E2, which is the character amount of legal status of a debt. So there's the legal status of a debt that would fall into then. Um, determining whether the, the the debt is valid, correct? And that's why I would need mm -hmm. these documents. Right. 
Okay, okay. I'm going to give you another trick that I've seen. And okay. you're defending against which? A motion to dismiss or summary judgment? No, no, I'm not defending No, this is her lawsuit. This is my lawsuit against Bayview and FDCPA. And, right. Uh, just, and, you haven't even got to the uh, to a summary judgment yet. No. Uh, we're, okay. we're in the middle of discovery. You're in the middle of discovery, and you're still within the period of time when you could amend your complaint, right? I cannot amend my complaint. The Why not? Way I, the only way I can amend my complaint right now is to bring in another um, a third, a join another party, which I was thinking of joining the original lender, Home Loan Centers Inc. And how 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 is bringing another party in going to give you the ability to amend your complaint? Because I asked, um, my time to amend my complaint has expired, and I filed a motion asking the judge to give me some time to amend the complaint, and the mm -hmm. judge denied it. But he did state that if I wanted to join in a party at a future time, that he would consider um, that I could file a motion to leave to amend and file the, the amendment and that he would consider it. Well, then you, do you have a reason why you could sue them, of, you know, a plausible reason? The reason why to sue them is because they didn't have, they were not registered to do business in Florida and they did not have a mortgage license to do business in Florida during the time that they gave me the mortgage. Okay, so that's FDCPA and FCCPA. Okay. How would that be FDCPA? Taking, um, well, any, most anything that's a violation of FCCPA is a violation of FDCPA. And would it be unfair and deceptive to tell someone that they were, that, that they, you're dealing with someone that was licensed and able to do business when they weren't? Well, yeah. Well, there you go. You just it's have a deceptive to think of, act. Yeah, you just. What'd you say, Dave? That's a deceptive act. Yeah, you just have to think outside the box a little. I mean, Jesse always says that you know there's like 80 million ways to find a violation. It's just you know it's a matter of perception. And then once you once you plead it, if you plead it properly, it's up to them to prove it. Now, if they're the original creditor, they're going to come back and give you the BS about you know, then they're protected, even though they don't own the debt anymore, even if they were just the originator. So you have to put the F6 in there, which covers that. So you can get that coverage in there. You want to, if you do an amendment, amendment, you want to get as much of this stuff in there as you can. But back to what we were talking about before with the other ones, um, the, the fact that the fact that the the attempt to foreclose or a threat of foreclosure is in effect a attempt to collect the debt, then all that documentation relating to it is relevant. And in fact, in order for them to have standing to prove up to prove up their standing, they're gonna to have to come up with, you know, all the assignments, the purchase agreements, you know, allonges on the note, assignments of the mortgage, you know, all of that is discoverable absolutely discoverable and i'm really i'm really surprised a little bit when you sent the email you know telling them that you were going to file that motion how did they respond to that email on the motion they, oh. they 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 really they feel they have a very strong case against me 
and that I really have no leg to stand on. And well, do you think they're going to tell you anything different, Maria? Everybody or not? Maria, they don't have a case against you. You have a case against them, and they think they have a bona fide defense. <laughs> and and, and lawyers great. always say exactly that in every case, no matter what the issues are. Yeah, don't buy into their crap, please. You're, you're, letting, you're letting that leak into you. Don't do that. It's like, no, you don't. Okay, so you're right. I, I'm, I am agreeing with you. I am letting it leak into my life. I, I, I understand it. But I need to, I need, the, the issue I have is that I need to grasp it and I need to fully understand it so that I, am, I, I can fight it. You know, the same thing with the confidentiality agreement. For the first three, four days, I was like, I cannot, I don't understand this, I don't understand this, I don't understand. Finally got a grasp of it and understood it, and then I was able to, to move on with it. The same thing is happening here, and I realized that my detriment right now is that I did not include the F6. Um, the, yeah, F6. Well, that, that's okay. You're going to come up with a way, but back to my question. So you sent him an email saying that, you know, please let me know whether you, you know, consent or not to me filing a motion for sanctions against you. And what did they come back with that caused you to get on the phone with them? No, I did not. Well, what caused me to get on the phone with them is that in my preparation for the motion to dismiss, I found several case law that um, basically went against the, the, um, the people who filed the motion to compel because they did not properly confer with the opposite party and there is a there is a, a a rule that says that you have to confer and in the the ones the 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 case law that i found is is here my district so the last thing i want to do is file a motion to compel and because i didn't properly confer and did not have a conversation because it's very specific, a conversation that emails were not in, were, were insufficient to. Okay. Um, All right. So you had your conversation. We got to we got to move things along here. We've got other people go, waiting, so we can't take ahead. too much time here. Right. But you had the conversation. You've got to argue back. They're throwing BS at you, and you've got to cut through the BS and say, you know, you're you're arguing this isn't relevant. Establishing. The right to collect and the the amount of the debt has uh, has absolute relevance, and those documents go to establishing that. So fork them over, or I'm going to compel them. Okay. And 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 so it's a, and it's as simple as stating that you know uh, I attempted to confer with the other side by sending an email and followed up with a direct conversation over the telephone with attorney such and such to discuss the to discuss the issues and we were unable to resolve the issues between the parties therefore I'm following this motion to compel you you attempted to do it you can just hold the phone out there and just not even listen to them and you know if they make their point well they're not agreeing with you you don't expect them to agree with you you had your compulsory conversation that's the end of it then you go for the motion to compel Right. They, they're going to tell you that they have a you know very good whatever, but let me add one little bit on there. In in the conversation with them, did they say that you know we have a valid reason or you know did did the guy really or gal whoever it was really beat you up and make any representation as to the mortgage case, the foreclosure? 
Well, yeah, they pretty much had all and the documents. And have you mailed them a debt validation letter yet? They, that's that's the, the that's the the issue for my for my lawsuit because they never validate it. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Have you mailed the attorney that you conferred with a debt validation letter yet? No, I have not. And why would you do that? Why would you mail them one? I I don't know. Wouldn't you if, tell me if they if they if they alleged anything about that, which could be construed as an attempt to collect the debt or a threat, sue them for FDCPA. Sue the council. But I, I, okay, I have to see. You have to think about, I know you've got so much going on and you're doing so good and I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just saying, think about it for a minute. If you're having a conversation and they're trying to twist your mind, arguing the foreclosure, okay, suddenly they've switched hats from defending an FDCPA violation that has nothing to do with a debt. They've turned it around and made it about the debt, which is really makes a new violation because in a way by holding that up and defending it they're attempting to collect the debt. Or now, they make- actually they were reiterating what I said that it was it was an attempt to collect the debt and that's what their responses are on all my interrogatories that it is an it is that this action is and what they say is plaintiff currently defends uh defense in the case of Bayview. This case arises as from an alleged collection activity related to a debt owed by plaintiff and the actual debt of possession of the note is irrelevant to this matter, is their allegations. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. They're they're throwing BS at you, Maria. You have to go back like John said. You've done your, your conferring. Get your motion done. We, I talk to them. We don't agree. I want the judge to hear it. And 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 spend the six dollars and eighty five cents like I do, and mail that attorney a certified return receipt debt validation letter just to just to let him know that the barrel, the bead on the barrel, might be pointing at him next. Okay. So then he Because was that's what, that's what that letter tells him is that you're you're setting him up to, you know, you open your mouth again, you're getting sued, buddy. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and and tweak up my motions and uh and send them out. The next they're finally supposed to reproduce the documents tomorrow, so let's see. By 1 o'clock I'm supposed to go pick them up at their office. But anyway, uh one last thing is that um I want to go ahead and depose their telephony, uh, their their gentleman corporate resident representative who has the most knowledge in regards to the phone system. Mm-hmm. Um, can go ahead and do a subpoena. Does the subpoena have to be served by a process server, or can they be served by a third party? This is someone that works for the company. This is the attorneys that are defending it. Um, they no, are but the, the person ones... that you're going to depose is: Are they an employee of Bayview? Well, I, I'm. I, I yes, I would say because I'm trying to depose the person who has the most knowledge about the telephone system. 
Yeah. Well, well you have you, to find out who that person is and find out, well, you know, who they who they work for. No, I mean, you can you can do corporate representative and then dictate who they are, Dave, for that one. When she yeah. can she can serve that she can serve oh, it on. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying there. She All can right, serve yeah. it on the defense attorney for uh-huh. them to produce a corporate representative, and then within the the subpoena ducis tecum, you have to detail what they need to testify to. Maria, that's in one of my tutorials, and it shows you how to do that. And and because you can't ask them questions that you haven't outlined the scope of what the discover what the deposition is going to cover you have to lay that out in the scope and it's in, it's in it's in the tutorial that shows you how to do that and you can also make them bring the relevant documents to the the deposition yeah and that's what my intentions are is to to have them do the document bring the documents as well so um okay so, but the question is, when I serve the subpoena up on the attorney, does it have to be by a process server, or can it be done by a third party? I think that that needs to be done by a process server. In fact, I would do that so that you don't have any complaint. Yeah. Isn't there a rule in Florida that says that all service of process has to be done via... Uh, process server? No, because I've been able to do it by mail when I when I had a problem with being able to with the people avoiding service, with attorneys avoiding service. Okay. And that's probably what they'll try to do too. Yeah. So you can send it to them, send them a copy of it, certified return receipt, and you get a process server who's willing to do an affidavit that you know I've been to the office three times. They sent a bodyguard out after me to intimidate me in the parking lot. Blah blah blah. And you send that in, and you ask the court to accept the substitute service. Yeah, we've got to we've got to wrap things up here, Maria. We've got some other people we need to get to, and we're running short on time. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. All righty, you're welcome. All right, and we're going to try and get through these people we got left. We got uh, a bunch of people here, so let's try and do things as quickly as we can here. Liberty 2, you have been unmuted. Go ahead. Liberty 2, maybe your handset is muted. We're not hearing you. We're still not hearing you. If we don't get any audio, I'm going to go on to the next caller. All right, we don't have time tonight for that. We're going to go to Gigi Boss. As soon as I can get her unmuted. Come on, Gord. There we go. There you go. Go ahead. Good evening. Good evening. um, I have a question. It's pretty quick, I think. Um, I'm doing, helping, you know, the little old lady with her uh, discovery. We're doing a motion to compel. So, uh, John, what you said earlier, um, help me go back up there and do some stuff <laughs> up in my uh, in the motion. Um, okay, so in the motion to compel, uh, I'm trying to figure out: do I need to um, send all this? Like, I'm gonna I'm, I'm in the motion. I'm saying they didn't do this. They didn't respond to. Um, RSA, my request for admission or her request uh, for admission number 17, um, and I'm saying C exhibit, whatever. So in that C exhibit, let's say number six, do I just need to 
take the part of their response or their non-response um, to that request for admission, do I need to put in their whole document for for admissions or just that one page that I'm trying to say, okay, here, see this exhibit where they um, didn't, they were evading, you know, the question or didn't respond completely to the question. Terry, you or dealt with that specific issue. Can you address that for her? Uh-oh, I think Terry got distracted. I said, say it again, I was reading oh. a trial transcript. Oh. Okay. Okay. She's okay, she's needing I'm... to do a motion to compel, and she's wondering exactly what she has to do. Does she have uh, what does she have to specifically put in the motion to compel? Oh, you just have to. I don't remember the exact language. You can you can look on my document and find. Yeah, them. but I mean, as far as like the what information is what she was getting at. Oh, okay. What you have to put in is. So all of a sudden, one day, I get this thing from him. Hey. The rat of winter feet is back and, wa and wants revenge. Run for oh, your well. life. We're, we're going to mute that. Okay. We got that taken care of. Okay. Um, whatever it is you're 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 trying to compel, whether it's for them to answer the admissions or uh, interrogatories or requests for production, obviously, if they're if they're not answering discovery at all, then you're going to have to put in the whole thing, um, all of the discovery that you propounded upon them, and move the court to make them answer it. Okay, but <laughs> let's say they did answer, and out of oh fifteen interrogatories, there's four or five that they're refusing to answer properly. And out of requests for production, there's three or four that they're refusing to produce properly. Then you move the court to compel them to to answer the interrogatories and produce the documents or whatever it was you requested. And you must attach to that as an exhibit or write it into the motion uh, Question number 17, blah, blah, blah. Their answer was, which was improper and incomplete, and you put that answer in there. You have to share with the court exactly what it was you were asking for that they've refused to give. In, to give. Okay. Let me stop, because I don't want you to say everything, because that part I got. Specifically, what I was asking, though, is let's say for... Um, so what I'm doing for the motion is I'm just going to put in all the discovery that I sent to them, you know, my request for admissions, productions, and all that interrogatory. I'm going to put all of that in the that's, motion. That's improper unless, oh, okay. unless they're not answering all of it. You only put in what they're not answering. Okay. What you get them to amend and answer properly, but they haven't. Because discovery is not supposed to be on the docket. It's not supposed to be part of the litigation. It's outside. Public record. Right. right. But when they refuse to cooperate, then you have the right to make it public record, but only that portion for which they are withholding cooperation. Okay. Now, now, Terry, I'll tell you something. In my district, when mm -hmm. you get to the motion to compel stage, 
you can file in the, the uh, interrogatories that you sent, and you can file in the responses that they sent you, and you can file in your email correspondence back and forth arguing over the deficiency and why you need the information. You can file all that in to support your motion to compel or a motion for sanctions, and that gets it on the record. True. And how I got around that in mine, my first two motions to compel was because they weren't answering discovery. So I was able to put the whole thing in there. Okay. Well, see, they did answer some, and it's only a couple they didn't. So that's, And we did confer through email, and they did send something through email, and they mailed it to her, and, and you know, I put my, um, well, her the uh, FRE 408 for the Federal Rules of Evidence on whatever I send to them. But I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't creating too much of a hassle for the judge, you know, just putting in what I'm saying. They did well, you want to keep it as simple as 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 you can. Um, yeah. yeah, if you've you just know, got two or three items, you don't put the whole thing in just to address those two or three items. Right. right. Okay. Let's say, you know, a little bit further down the line, uh, when you get to, all right, they file a motion for summary judgment, or you do, or whatever. Um, You can always, just as I did, you can take interrogatories and responses to interrogatories and quote them in your pleadings. Right. Okay, does that answer your question? Like I say, we got to keep moving here tonight. Um, Yes, I think so. I think that's pretty much it. I'm trying to seem like I had one more. Uh, But that's it now. All righty. Thank you all. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, Dave, just a little side note there, what I was reading. (laughs) I tripped across a trial transcript I didn't know I had, and it's another Leonard Bennett S2B. Oh, okay, good. All right, I got to keep moving here because we're really running short of time. We're going to Southeast Missouri. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Hey, double wide. How you doing, guys? Hey, no, uh, double wide. We got Southeast Missouri. You're you're up there yet? We'll get you. Go ahead, Southeast Missouri. Is that me? I believe so. Go ahead. Okay. Um. The, uh, I don't even know where to start. I, <laughs> I uh, talked with Terry about this. I Skyped her because I freaked out. I got uh, served on the 12th. I received a summons. Uh, the, uh, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here, actually. I mean, I know I'm being taken to court, but okay. On this card... Um, I made the last payment about January or February 2013. Well, well, wait a minute. If you've been served, that doesn't make any difference right now. Okay. Well, I'm I'm wondering who actually served me. It says plaintiff petitioner is Capital One. Well, okay. You're you're right now. You need to deal with answering it so you don't end up with a default judgment. You're getting right, ahead right, of yourself right. trying to trying to go into things that uh, don't mean anything right now. You need to address what's before you. Well, now, okay. Uh, question: Are you a, a member of the website? 
I'm on there, yes. Okay. Have you been in the beating credit card section studying? Yes. Okay. That should tell you exactly what you need to do if you've been served. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just trying to figure out if this is the original creditor or not. Well, if that doesn't make any difference at this point in time. It makes no difference whatsoever in what you're going to do. You have to address what's before you. Right. Okay. Well, I get that. They're, su- they're suing in the name of Capital One, all right? Uh-huh. Right. All right. You've got to address it from the the standpoint of you have a lawsuit against you, and you need to defend it, and don't worry about whether it's legitimately Capital One or whoever it might be. If they brought it in the name of Capital One, then you're going to have to defend it that way. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go okay. off in left field and be making a bunch of other arguments to things. Right. No, 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 no. Okay. No, I'm just trying to get it straight in my mind because I've never even seen a summons before. I had no idea what this thing is. But Well, there's, it says, it, if you read it, it says, you know, you've been sued. You have so much time to answer. You must, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you don't answer, a default judgment uh, will be entered against you. Right, right. Okay. If go through but, the beating credit card section and study that material. And then what I would suggest is if you have questions about exactly what you're supposed to do after you study that, come on Terry's call on Wednesday night and ask those questions to clarify any of the details so that you can get your uh, uh, responsive uh, pleading into the court, whether it be a motion for enlargement of time to answer, a motion to dismiss, or what. But you have okay. to address that. So, One question. What does it actually mean when they say an account is charged off? What is that? A charge-off is just an accounting term that they are required to do on a credit card 180 days after default. They're required by federal law to do that. Basically what it is, it it changes the the way they account for it. It goes from a collectible status to a non-collectible status. It's strictly a bookkeeping thing. It's got nothing to do with whether the debt is still there or not. Okay. Got nothing so to do with it. Don't charge charged off and then written off. Yeah, that that yeah. That that's not immaterial in what you've got to deal with right now. You need to you need to study the process. Don't get yourself off into these these other things right now. I did 18 hours of studying over the weekend and turned my brain to tapioca, but I'm trying. Okay. So. Well, it's actually <laughs> what what to do here when you're served with a lawsuit is fairly simple. And I don't know what all you spend 18 hours on, but it, 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 most people should be able to pick up what everything they need to know about dealing with a lawsuit when they're first served within couple hours of study. Mm-hmm. So maybe you've kind of gone overboard a little bit. Go back to the basics. What do you have to do if you're served? Look at the webinars. Have you gone through the webinars on there? Tells you what yeah. to do? Yes. Okay. Go back and review those again would be my suggestion. Sometimes if you try and take too much in, you, you I, I think basically from what you just told me, you tried to eat the elephant in one bite. I could have, yeah. Yeah. So go back and what do I do if I'm served with a lawsuit? Focus on that. 
try and understand that. And then Wednesday night, if you've got questions on exactly what you're going to do, whether you're, you know, and basically you're going to put in a motion for enlargement of time to answer, and a, uh, you can put in a sworn denial and uh, a notice of dispute, put those in, in there so you uh, are not in a position to uh, get a default judgment against you. Right. And, right. and what is the deadline on when you have to do that? Um, I believe it's the court date, which is September 9th. September 9th, okay. Mm-hmm. So you've got plenty of time to study right now, and you'd probably want to file that stuff with the court somewhere around the 5th of September. Okay. Because what that does is that puts the stuff in, and then it gives you more time to study. So um, you be careful about trying to eat the elephant in one bite. You know, uh, you're you're fortunate in that you don't have to respond within three three or four days. Here, you've got plenty of time, mm-hmm. but still, you want to uh, you want to study and then come and ask the specific questions about what you've studied. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Not not that I can. Okay. Yeah, don't don't worry about whether they're the you know the proper creditor and all that kind of stuff. That's going way beyond what you need to deal with right now. You need to you need to deal with the lawsuit, understand the the process of what you're going to have to do, and then start digging into how to argue it. Okay, but you got to understand okay. the process first. All right. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. All right. We're going to go to, let's go to northern Missouri. That's double wide. He popped in there. He was next before he jumped out of the queue. (laughs) All right. You got me? Yep, we got you. We just got to keep rock and rolling, just like when you're out on the road. I still got people in the queue. I'm going to wrap this up real quick for you. you. The gentleman who was on earlier, if, if he's still on, go to Google Maps and see if that car, your friend's car, is in the driveway and see if that license plate is exposed on Google Maps. Uh, number two on that same subject, the uh, service that they say that they, they, they sent to you for the uh, port there, for your port appearance, go and check the number that's supposed to be on. Uh, they'll, have it, they'll have it in their records, the number that they use whenever they, they serve you through the mail. I'm actually dealing with that right now with a friend of mine, the numbers that they said that they used for the certified mail were never used through the U.S. Postal Service. So you can, you can shoot them down that way. That's uh, those two things out of the way. Number three, I've used debt collector money to buy my O'Connor's Federal Rules of uh, Civil Procedures book, 2015, brand new. And I've there also used my debt collector's money to... Uh, to go to, to uh, Japan for three or two weeks, and I am home. Well, very good. I'll bet That's you thoroughly enjoyed that trip even more because the debt collectors paid for it. Absolutely. It was all free. <laughs> <laughs> good job. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm muting out. Thanks. All righty. Thanks. Appreciate you uh, bringing the information in. Appreciate it. All right. We're going to go to North Central Texas. You've been unmuted. Hey, Dave. It's Keisha. Hi, Keisha. How are you? I'm pretty good. We're running late, just so good. a reminder for you. So we got to get get to business here, get questions answered, and get wrapped up. Okay? Yes. I just have a quick question. Um, okay. 
I actually sent, you know, I told you guys I sent off my notice of intent to litigate regarding my TCPA complaint um, that I had. And um, I sent it off. They received it, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday. And the um, attorney responded to me actually yesterday um, saying that, you know, they were trying to get the matter resolved so I wouldn't have to file a lawsuit. Um, so I had over 37 calls that were placed, and, you know, they were all with a pre-recorded message. And so I was looking at C5 plus um, USB 47 um, with the, you know, initial cost period with TCPA. So now because I had FDCPA um, violation also. So when I was looking and tallying it because they were asking me what would be, you know, an ago like a number that I would be willing to settle, you know, to try to talk about it to settle. Yeah, um, they wanted the demand. Yeah, so I'm think you know, so with that being said, I looked at the amount that I was, you know, actually totaling for the whole the yeah. whole complaint and it was like thirty eight thousand dollars. So, um with all you know, each violation with the C five and then, you know, the separate so, now, was that with trebling included? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't even do trebling. I just kept every call at five hundred. Okay. All right. Okay. That's what um, I wanted to know. Okay. Yeah. So no, every call was just five hundred for the initial TCPA, and then another five for the do not call. But with right. over thirty-seven calls, then obviously it's like a thousand dollars per call. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what I sent him back. So I was just wondering, um, you know, insight-wise on, I didn't tell him 38000 I said, this is, a, you know, this is what it would be. Oops. Keisha, we're not hearing you. You need to hold your tongue differently. Okay. <laughs> you disappeared on us. I wanted to get some input on, you know, basically how, how to respond um, when you know when you have a when you have something and you're looking at a total figure? Well, I, Keisha, you're 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 asking me about a whole bunch of hypotheticals. You don't have any any solid thing. Well, he said this, and and he said we'd be willing to settle for this or that. You know, you, you got to wait and see what he says. No, I mean, no, 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 you, I'm saying for me, like when I'm responding to I, something like that. That's what I'm saying. How how are you going to respond if you don't know what he said? You know what the you know what the amount of the statutory damages are. Yeah, that's what you've got to tell them. Okay, the statutory damages are about thirty-eight thousand. That's what I did. At a, at a minimum. Okay, and that's, that's and, what I and, did. And, 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 and that's without trebling, and and of course, you know, they there is the the potential that they can be trebled, uh, both on the uh, C five and uh, the other stuff. So it could be significantly more than that. So, you know, if you're going to make an offer, um, I just so you know, I really don't like being insulted. So, uh, yeah, you know, make make me an offer that I can no. at least seriously consider. And then possibly uh, either accept or make a counteroffer. That's the way I would do it. 
And we're not hearing you. You've got a funky phone again. Now she just disappeared. <laughs> Keisha's cell phone, oh boy. I imagine she's going to be back in a minute. We'll, we'll try and get her back. In the meantime, I'm going to go to North Georgia. You have been unmuted. Go ahead. North Georgia, you need to talk to us or we're going to move on. Hey, we're not hey, hearing Davis. you. There you are. Hey, this go is ahead. How are you? Uh, oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, just a second. We got somebody that came on here. Uh, in California, that's what's causing that. Okay, go ahead. Okay. All right, great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. All right. Okay, great. Just trying Look. to wrap things up uh, here. I know you are. Okay. All right, look, I, a, a friend of mine's um, uh, just got married to a lady. She's uh, not actually a, a citizen of the country yet. And so she had to go to a hospital a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, uh, she doesn't have a social. So he's wondering if, um, because they, they don't have any money to pay the medical bill, uh, can they actually report her to the credit bureaus or or what? They don't have insurance. They can report like information to a credit bureau as long as it's accurate. Okay, but uh, without a social. If they can, if they can do whatever they, however they are set up to do things. I don't know about that. They can do it possibly by name. Okay. All right. We're just a little unfamiliar with that scenario. Thought maybe it might have been something that you experienced. Yeah, no. Uh, it would be no. harder for them to verify later with no Social Security number. Right, yeah. Well, how do you right. know it's the same Susan Jones? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, All right, that yeah. was great. Okay. There's no That's way to keep them from doing that. Okay. Okay? All right, thanks a lot, y'all. All right, you're welcome. All right, and I'm going to go to the other North Georgia that we had. Uh, the other North Georgia, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, Angelo. Oh, pretty good. Uh, I've got a, uh, I got a, I got a question for you guys. Um, I've got, uh, I've got my case all organized now to where it, it kind of makes sense. And uh, what, what are you talking about? Your case organized? Um, I had the, uh, I had the lawsuit with Cash LLC. Oh, okay, there you you got sued by them, and now right. are you talking about your federal complaint? Correct. Actually, right. my, my that's my what you emailed me about. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, first off, I've got to see if I even got a, a federal complaint against them because when I started putting this thing together, there's a lot of holes in it, a lot of missing documents. If if cash is trying to collect from you, you've got to you've got a claim against them. Okay. Well, I do have... Well, put it this way, guys. If there's anything that you could do wrong in a case, I've done it. Everything that I've done with this case, I've screwed it up from the time that I started until I found you guys. Okay, well... There's one redeeming thing that I did. When cash, when it went from uh, Bank of America... And then it went to FIA cards. Then it went yeah, to cash. Yeah, we, we know about that. It, 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 but you're dealing with cash. Cash is a debt collector. If they're trying to collect 
from you, they had to have violated the FDCPA. They they just they can't collect from you without violating it. FDCPA. FDCPA. Yes. FDCPA. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I've. Okay. I hear what they're you're ge- saying. They're they're genetically predisposed. They can't do yeah. anything without violating. Yeah, Jeff. Please, I want to try and move things through here as quickly as we can. I want to wrap up. Okay. Um, well, all right. So, so now well, what, we is your, what is your question? What is your question? My question now is, is when I got to the point when I talked to uh, when I talked to John last week, he told me to sue him twice because I got I got another case going in the uh, state court, and he told me to sue him twice and to load up on him. And I've got like four defendants, and I've actually could sue eight, but you told me that was too many. So I'm yeah, backing you're off bi- the four. You, you, yeah, you're biting off too much trying to put eight defendants in a suit. Okay, my question is, can I sue the law firm itself, period, just the law firm? Are they trying to collect the debt from you? Uh, yes, they are, because when I sent right. a, a letter to the law firm, they had a debt collector call me because they got mad at me for sending them a letter. Well, they uh, uh, did they try and collect the debt from you? Yes. When they called you? Yes. Did they validate the debt before they called you? No. Oh, well, there's, there's a violation right off the bat. So now, what about each party in the law firm? Well, wait a second. Wait no, a second. No. I, want to, I want to address that. When you're saying each party, if if there were three different attorneys and each one of them sent some type of communication to you or did a filing in court which would create a violation, you can sue them. What will happen is if you sue three attorneys in the law firm plus the law firm, they're going to hire one attorney to defend all the parties. So it's not like you're going to get four summary judgment motions. You'll just get one from them, which is easier to deal with than if you were suing four different law firms, then you've got four separate defendants that'll probably have different counsel representing them. So keep that in mind. Uh-huh. Well, I have like the law firm and then two people in the law firm sign documents, and then one person with the law firm, which is the debt collecting part side of it, made a call to my cell phone. And the, pers- um, the person to, that to- called, were they? Were they a lawyer or were they just a peon? They were a peon. They said when I tried to get um, when I tried to get a document from one of the main guys in the law firm, he said he was told to call me uh, because of the letter that I sent him. Well, and in so- in that instance, I probably I would allege the violation but I wouldn't sue that individual because employees of debt collectors, you know, it's arguable whether you can sue them or not individually. It creates a much higher barrier. You, you can it, sue them on debt collectors when it's a creditor. It's a different story. But right. the debt collectors, you can sue them. I've done it. Right. Okay, well, that, that makes it simple because my next question was when I've, I've got the law firm that I'm going to, going to sue. Then I've got each individual in there, so they're going to lump that together, is what you're saying. It's only going to be one violation. Is that correct? Well, it's going to be one FDCPA violation. And what I was saying is they to defend them, they'll probably hire one law firm to defend them. So any 
for the four parties that you're suing, any motion or anything that they put in, it would be just one motion representing all four of those parties. It's not like each party will have their own lawyer that's going to put in separate motions. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, it does. But will I be able to personally be able to collect from each individual one? Yes. Yes, you okay. can collect okay. from each individual defendant. That's the whole thing. You're okay. limited to $1,000, a maximum of $1,000 per defendant per lawsuit. Okay. So if you only got one defendant, the maximum you can get out of the lawsuit is $1,000. If you got four defendants, the maximum you can get is 4000 Okay, this peon that called me, how would I tie him back in? I would use him when I, the service of process, when I, well, I, I'm not sure how to please that. What did the person do? Uh, I sent a letter to the main lawyer trying to get um, some action in the case, and he... What do you mean by some action? What uh, specifically did you ask for in the letter? When I talked to Carrie, she told me to go ahead and get a protective order, and I sent the protective order signed by me for him to sign so I could go ahead and discovery. And he got mad and had this guy by the name of uh, Hector Santoni out of Florida call me. He said, that since the lease in the letter to my boss, he told me to call you, and I'm here to collect the debt. Well, that's a violation. Oh, that's a violation yeah. right there. That's a clear yes. violation. Yeah. And are you sure he's a direct employee? Where's the law firm located? Well, this is the, the next question I have. When I started looking these guys up, uh, it's Sharon McClure, and they are not actually filed with the Secretary of State in Georgia. And they're, they're, they're actually located in Florida along with Cash. Cash is not actually part of the Secretary. They're not filed to do business in Georgia either. Mm-hmm. But when I called the Secretary of State and told them, they said, we don't take complaints here, and they filed me the official Georgia code annotated of 14-3-1501 stated in 2011. It stated, uh, it stated uh, the certificate of authority to transact business is required, and it gave a, uh, it gave a listing that says the following activities, among others, do not constitute transacting business within the meaning of subsection A of this code and sections. Yeah. Well, we're, and we're getting do... off on, on some uh, odd stuff here. Um, is, if there isn't a private right of action on that, then that's a waste of time to pursue that. Exactly. So well, I mean, um, you need to stick with your FDCPA. How can they sue me? How can they sue me in the state if they're not... If they, okay. If they're Under Georgia Code... They only have to be registered with the Secretary of State if they use the court system. So then that's part of your argument for a motion to dismiss. They're not authorized to, to use the court system as a debt collector in Georgia because they're not registered with the Secretary of State. They don't have to be unless they sue you. And of course, in his case, they have sued him. Exactly. So now, what? What is there a violation in Georgia where I can go after them other than the federal? Well, that I no. don't know that there's a private right of action on it. You're going to have to no. research that. 
but it would be grounds for a motion to dismiss. They don't have standing. Right. To sue. Very good. That's R- good news. R- remember, when you go and sue them, they're more likely if they have a suit against you to want to drop it or or make some type of settlement to get it over with quickly. So, you know, don't make yourself a mountain to climb over when you only have to go over a hill. Um, That's okay. what I mentioned in the email to you. You got to get the federal lawsuits done. Yeah. And make it simple. You know, you, you've listed off two lawyers, the guy that made the phone call and the law firm. That's an easy lawsuit right there. Just do it for FDCPA. You get four, four defendants that you're going to be suing and it's pretty easy to plead and you can get it in there quickly and not worry about all the other stuff. You can allege that they, if when they sued you, they uh, they took a legal action they weren't legally entitled to take. If they have to be licensed in your state, um, they'd have to prove otherwise. But I'm sure you've got other violations that you can get them for. So the the old rule of thumb is you pull out your frequently violated FDCPA uh, sheet and go down it and start reading each section and hit it with a bright light. Oh, I already got it. Yeah, so, so yeah. get that complaint together and get it filed. Okay, the yeah. um, the service on this, if they're out of state, I just I can just file directly with the 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 agent in Florida. You can serve the registered agent, just like I told you in the email. You can serve the registered agent. It doesn't have to be the registered agent in your state. Now, what about for, do I have to do cash also, the registered agent for cash and the registered agent for? uh, I've gotten to the point where I pretty much do the registered agent. That way there's no argument because the registered agent is obligated. That's their uh, job is to notify somebody. And when they notify somebody, they can't argue that they weren't served. Right. Now, now for the law firm, my experience has been it's good to serve the law firm. It's You can have the process server go right to the law firm and maybe get them to cut a little bit of a deal because they're going to serve those other three people too while they're there. A lot of times, as soon as the law firm's been served, the attorney's going to try to duck service. They don't want to deal with it if they're an underling. And um, then, you know, your process server can can tell you that, you know, they can put in an affidavit saying that, you know, they've attempted three times, a person tried to avoid service, and you can get that substitute service perfected in Florida. Um, where are they located? What city? Uh, let me pull it up. I actually got it pulled up. On. They are Harold. They are located in Well, we need to wrap things up here. We we really don't Florida, have time. California. I mean, we're a half hour past the end of the call here. So what city? Florida, California. Um, it doesn't. It, let me. Yeah, it says here. Um, President. 
if they've got a lot of different companies here. I know, um, but you, what you need to do is find out the location of the office of the law firm or that attorney, or if you mailed them a debt validation letter, where did you mail the debt validation letter to? And, you know, if if you can tell me that on Terry's call Wednesday night, we might, you know, I can point Oh, here it is. To, hmm. Here it is. Um, um, it is uh, Greenwood Boulevard, Lake Mary, Florida. Okay, that's more up in North Florida. Well, I've got a guy that's a private investigator in the um, Palm Beach Broward County area that probably has someone up there. But if you use a private investigator for service, they're much more stealthy to go in there and, and nail all the attorneys and they don't charge any more. So how much how much are they? It it depends if you need a rush service or not, you know, anywhere from forty bucks to eighty bucks probably. And if you've got four of them at the same location, they'll discount it some. You can, you know, you That'd can, be great. Could, could I get their number, or how would I get that? Yeah, I send Terry an email and ask her to forward it down to me. Great. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you. Thanks for being. Thanks for being patient with me. All right, everybody. Uh, it's time to wrap it up for tonight. We're uh, a good long ways past this. I I want to try and keep these calls to two hours. Uh, there's a reason for that, and. Uh, we, uh, if you've got questions, you need to get on here and not wait till the last minute. So, uh, with that said, tomorrow night, of course, there is a call, uh, or is tomorrow night the webinar? I think tomorrow night is a, a webinar Q and A. That's for uh, the series that we've been doing. So that's not going to be open to everybody. If you're a member of the website, great. You're going to be able to be in there. If not, you'll have to wait till a week from tomorrow night when we have the open Q&A for everybody, for the public again. Uh, then, of course, on uh, Wednesday, Terry's call starts at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And if you are not on her email list to get the reminders, please send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com simply just you can even put it in the subject line. Please put me on the list. That's all you got to do. She'll get you in there so that you get the reminders on that. And uh, of course, during the time that uh, we don't have the calls, that's why the forum is there. And again, that's for the members. Use the forum. Use the forum. Use the forum. Post your questions in the appropriate place in the forum, if you would. Uh, if it's TCPA, put it in the TCPA section. If it's saving your home, make sure you post your question in the saving your home section. There's a lot to study in there. And, of course, for any of the new people that want to get on uh, uh, Jesse's website, all you got to do is open up a browser and type in knockoutcollectors.net, and that will take you right to Jesse's website. And you put in your name, your email address, you send that in, you're going to get an email back. If you don't get anything back right away, um, look in your spam folder because uh, uh, there's an automated email that comes back. There's a link in that. That's an opt-in for spam. They do everything above board. And you'll get a second email when you click on that link. It'll have some information as well as uh, access to part of the website where you can get a real good idea of the type of information that's in the website. And uh, if you want to become a full member, 
It's $99 for the first month and $49 a month after that for as long as you want to be a member. There's no commitments, you know, six months or a year at a time. But the best part of the whole thing is there's a 60-day money-back guarantee on it. You can get in there and study and look and find out what you need to learn, and there's no risk. If for whatever reason you decide, wow, this is just too much for me or whatever, you get your money back. So uh, there's no risk for you. The bottom line is these calls are not a substitute for being a member. You get bits and pieces, certain scenarios here. To get the organized information, you have got to get into the website. Please do so. And with that said, thank you, Jeff, John, Terry. Appreciate uh, your help tonight and everybody else that contributed. And uh, I hope everybody has a great evening. And those of you that uh, join us on Blog Talk or uh, Instant Teleseminar for Q&A tomorrow night with Jesse, I'll talk to you then. Have a great evening, everybody, and good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.